He's saying the party's what's on good, the start bro. to what's, what's, up? what's up? I'm good, bro. Let's, I'm good, let, bro. let's talk. What's happening now? I'm a happy 150th uh, uh, podcast birthday. I want to talk on. Yeah, happy 150 years old, bro. Appreciate it. I'm an old man. <laughs> no, that one, that one, I faxed you. But still. That one, I faxed you. <laughs> your, your father. <laughs> you know well. <laughs> that one did. That one did. Oh boy, how's Chicago, Yo, man? How you, have you, have you dodged any bullets lately in Chicago? Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no fear, I don't blame you now because you do mountain time. Now Billy Goat, you they dodge. No fear. <laughs> I, ra- I rather dodge Billy Goats than dodge bullets, bro. <laughs> that one day. <laughs> no fear now. Come, come to you go day safe. You go day okay. Not it. Uh, Chicago uh, now my I get people for South Side. Chicago now my second my second now my second I don't go call them hood now my second abode. So that one day. Your second abode. That one day. Oh, as we see the record now, I get a question for you. All right, go ahead. You, you have 150 episodes. How have you been able to like be that consistent? Because on the surface, I know you have people, I'm sure you have a team. But mm-hmm. on the surface, you know, I know that you're you're the host. You know, you're the main person on the pod. I mean, it's your podcast, right. obviously. But like, how have you been, how have you been able to maintain that consistency and just like handling the responsibility that comes with um, carrying a podcast like that? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, looking retrospectively, and we have another guest. Hey, Daryl. Daryl is on the podcast. Hey, how's, yeah, I think you're muted. You might have to unmute. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, Okuchi, um, um, looking at it, like connecting the dots, looking back, I think um, I, I I try to stay in my lane in topics I'm interested in, or the theme of the podcast is something I'm really interested in. So a lot of people tend to do shows about topical issues that, hey, you know, Kim Kardashian is getting divorced from Kanye West, you know, or, you know, what's the most popular movie right now, like pop culture topics. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're interested in. But if I had done a pop culture podcast, I probably wouldn't have survived like 30, 40 episodes because long term, I'm like, uh, but if I'm talking about nerdy stuff like this, like culture, you know, race, religion, things that I naturally like read up on, like I'm just interested in, that's like what's helped me um you know have that staying power to 150 episodes and obviously you know like the team like you said uh so a year and a half into the podcast you know uh, an editor helped me come on like uh, two years into the podcast a producer so those people also took some weight off my shoulders and the fact that i'm not staying current with what's current on the news means that i don't have to i'm not under pressure to you know talk about Kyrie Irving. you know oh, i have to do an episode about Kyrie Irving. i could talk about whatever and post it whatever so i i guess those are like some of the few ways looking back um, that has helped me stay on brand, but mostly it's been about, I'm just talking about stuff I'm interested in. So it feels less like work, even though it is a lot of work, but it feels less like work when you're talking about things you're interested in. So that's about it. And Daryl, how's it going? Where are you tuning in from today? I'm tuning in from Bratislava, Slovakia. Slovakia. Oh my goodness. Okay. We have people, but when did you, how's the situation in Europe as far as like quarantine? Like, did you have any situation when you landed, you had to quarantine for a few days or show a vaccination card or anything like that? No. Um, I had to, I had to show my, uh, my proof of, uh, COVID vaccination 
fully okay. vaccinated and uh, and all of that. Um, I just took my my COVID test today because I'll be going back home. So I got to I got to show proof of a negative test before they'll let me back into the states, of course. Got it. Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Like your episode obviously is, I think it's still number one on like the most rated, most listened to episodes I have. And for listeners who are listening, Daryl Davis did episode 77, Black Klansman. Uh, of course, Daryl uh, has a history uh, that's well documented out there, you know, um, reaching out to people who are members of the KKK as a Black man and, you know, getting them to give up their ropes. So it was such a unique perspective of race relations and daryl has been uh, a follower and uh and an ally to the podcast ever since so i appreciate you uh coming on today <clears throat> well i appreciate you too man I, I was just listening to to your conversation with with the other uh, panelists and you know what what you do um you don't you don't necessarily choose the the most popular stuff but, or, or, or even the most current stuff, but what you choose is the most relevant stuff, whether it's popular or whether it's current or not, it is relevant to the world today. And, and for me, that, you know, that is what, is what makes you, know, you a great podcaster and sets you apart from everybody else and gives you that longevity because everything you know, that you bring on, the different guests that you bring on are all relevant to what's going on in our society today and helps people navigate all the obstacles in our society, I mean, you know, who who really cares about whether uh, whatever her name is, Kardashian, is getting married or getting divorced or having a, a baby? A or lot not. of people are apparently a lot. <laughs> a well, lot and, and, that, and that's the whole problem because they're not, you know, they you know they're not dealing with 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 the uh, with things that are relevant in our society, and then they wonder what happened. Well, you have the answers because you have on the guests, you know, that are relevant. I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with caring about pop culture or the Kardashians. If that's something you're into, in my opinion, it's just that if you're not into it and you're like pretending to be into it just to maybe stay relevant or like get a bigger market share, then that's where the problem lies. But if that's something you really enjoy, then, you know, it is what oh, it I'm is. Not, I'm not taking anybody, anybody's enjoyment away. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. If, if that's what you're into, that's what makes you happy. It gives you a sense of peace of life, et cetera. That's fine. Enjoy it um, and all that kind of stuff. But don't be wondering, you know, why a coronavirus is taking over your life or racism or anti-Semitism or, or whatever else is going on out there, the economy, if you're not state, you know, if you're spending your whole your whole time dealing with somebody else's uh, marital bliss or marital woes instead of dealing with what's really happening in society. Right, right. And that, that's a good thing about this podcast. I mean, just where people are tuning in from, like we have someone from Zambia, you're in Slovakia, someone in Chicago, someone tuned in from Texas, someone in Nigeria, like just that's also one of the things I'm trying to do is like bring people with from divergent point of views and maybe not have a perfect understanding, but at least, you know, have a step towards that understanding. And in the light of that, I want the Nigerians in the house today, Okuchi and Abel, can we teach our other guests some Pigeon English this morning? What do you think are some basic words we can teach Daniel uh, and Chulu? You, you got to start with how far, which means far? what's up. Yeah, you say <laughs> how far when you want to say what's up. So how far, how does Chulu respond to how far? Hmm. Uh, you would say I did. I did. 
I did, which means I'm good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't think I, I remember how to speak pigeon. I know Sabi speak pigeon again. I just did. I did make I learn. Why are you so flexing? Why would you say how you say I don't remember and then speak pigeon <laughs> for many sentences? It's not a mix with mix now, so he can't speak pigeon anymore. I don't sub I don't know if my pigeon English is fluent enough. Daryl, you actually spent some time in Ghana growing up. Did you? Did. Ghana, Ghanaians have their own version of pidgin English, but you did you get to interact with that I, at all? Of course, of course. I lived in Accra for two years. Um, one thing I remember was whenever they wanted, you know, over here we we say, you know, what time is it? And I remember in in Ghana at that time they would say, what o'clock is it? That's that's why the the, the Ghanaian jollof is not the best. The, the English is just. Just yeah, Ghanaian pigeon is just like the jollof, honestly. Yeah, that's not uh, that's not very smooth. Shout, shout out to my Ghanaian listeners, please. If you want to come for anyone, go for Okuchi. He has a podcast <laughs> called From Lagos We Love. Go under his comments and like spam well, him. I, don't, I, don't come for me. I think I think um, Nigerian English was um, actually modified from the Ghanaian pigeon. Um, oh no no no! no, no. Ah, this mic, is a Nigerian mic. saying that. <laughs> No, seriously, seriously. <laughs> probably I, I know, of course, as a Nigerian, you definitely feel your your um your pigeon is better. Well, I don't know. I've had that argument with some persons before. I know it's quite different from that of um the Ghanaian, but I think uh, when the Ghanaians were in the country, I think that's when um this pigeon English thing of a thing uh, came up in Nigeria. Maybe we just um um should I say we advanced on it or i don't know it's quite different anyway it's quite i think the Ghanaians probably their their pidgin english sounds more like um the english english it sounds more of the, like the english uh why nigeria is quite um well i think um it's just a modification from a um, Ghanaian pidgin no sir did you say abel is nigerian Put your best certificate on the screen. Put your best certificate. You don't forget say them been there with us for this country before. Before we not true, sure, not true, not true, not true. That's true. Okay. So now that's where true. now where all that's these pigeon things start from be that. You know what? You know what? In, in our own rights, Nigerians are what the what the African colonizers. If that makes any sense, because oh we, my we, we do we do take other people's stuff and like make it be- better and like smoother. Exactly. You know, you know they say, yeah. exactly they say it's not about who did it first; it's about who did it best. Who did? Right? Where so. the Facebook of Africa? Is that what you're trying to say? We steal stuff from other cultures. Okay, that Facebook, make... that Facebook one is nasty. That Facebook <laughs> one is nasty, but sure, maybe we're the Drake of countries. You know. What? <laughs> <laughs> The Drake of countries. That's funny. That's funny. But I have I... a question for Daryl. Mm-hmm. Can I? Can I is, a, is a cool fire. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a free. How you doing, Daryl? Okay. How you doing, Daryl? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. Um, I see that you you've done a lot of work with the you know, uh, I guess building bridges with the KKK. Um, you know, KKK and, and, uh, the white supremacists <laughs> and, and white supremacists, right? Um, which I'm, you know, which I know serves a purpose. But there are people who are relevant in, you know, uh, I say African American culture, as far as like the conscious community is concerned. People like uh, Dr. Omar Johnson, who argue that um, <laughs> any kind of movement or any kind of effort in that front 
is uh, is counterproductive to the advancement of, of Black people in the U.S. and that we don't need that white understanding or, or, or acceptance uh, in the country. What would you say to that? Well, obviously, I would disagree. Uh, I've been doing this kind of work for 37 years. I mean, I'm, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and I certainly respect that he has his opinion. But, you know, uh, I've been here in this country now for 402 years as a descendant of slaves. I came here in 1619. And 402 years later, I'm still not being treated the way I need to be treated. So something has to change. So what, what has he done that has changed things and made it better? I mean, at least the people that I'm talking to, over 200 have left that ideology. Some of those 200 even come out with me and speak out against it publicly and help to de-radicalize people still in that movement and make attempts to prevent young people from joining those movements. The only way this country is gonna thrive is when we finally come together, not when we're fighting each other, dividing and conquering. So that, you know, that's my opinion, of course. And I, I don't think I speak for everybody. I hear that. Uh, what do you think about uh, this idea that Pan-Africanism is part of, I guess, multiple solutions? This idea that going back to Africa and helping build the economy and, you know, building a strong black economy is is the way forward. Um, is that something that you've that you've considered? Is that something that you, you know, is that an idea that you take seriously? What are your thoughts on that? Okay, my thoughts on that are this. I lived in Africa for 10 years. Uh, Africa is, is the birth mother of all people, whether you're Chinese, whether you're American, European, or whatever, the first form of life was found in Africa, in Ethiopia. Okay, so we all, you know, if you're a white American, if you're, if you're a German American, if you're a Chinese American, at the end of the day, you are an African American, because that's where your origin started until somebody finds an older uh, example, fossil, of a, uh, of a human being that was older than Lucy found in Ethiopia. If that, if that fossil is found in, in China, then we all would be Chinese Americans. But to answer your, your question specifically, like I said, I lived in Africa for 10 years. I lived in Ethiopia for four years, Ghana for two years, Guinea, Conakry, Guinea for two years, Dakar, Senegal, two years. I visited many countries in between, Mauritania, Morocco, Egypt, Kenya, and uh, uh, Nigeria, Liberia, uh, Sierra Leone, Gambia, uh, um, uh, Abidjan on the Ivory Coast, and many other countries. I've not visited every country in the continent. It's too, too big. Uh, I love Africa. I, I would love to go back and, and spend more time visiting other countries. But at the end of the day, I am an American, and this is my country that I need to build. And, uh, you know, if, if people want to come here from other countries, whether they come here from Africa, whether they come here from Europe or Australia, and if there's something that we have here in, in this country that we can share with other people that will help them better their own homeland, that's fine. Yes, my roots are in Africa. So is everybody's roots in Africa. But my country right now is here. And my country is, is in disarray. It's not doing very well. And I need to help get it straightened out. I like that. I like that. So what would you say? What would you say is the way forward? Because um, honestly, from my perspective, I, I see that a, a big part of the issue is economics. When when I see protests and, you know, and, and I sit in conversations with uh, other black scholars and, you know, hear some of the issues in the community, 
um, the protesting game is, you know, that's something that we're very, we're very good at. But it seems like there are, there hasn't really been a follow up. It's like you know you protest and there's nothing else. And I look at the way the U.S. government responds to the issues that other communities have, and the one commonality there is is not black or white or yellow, is the green, right? The money, the 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 kind of uh, economics, you know, positive economics that you know that those uh, communities bring, the Indian community, you know, the Chinese or Asian community. Right um, on, absolutely. So I think that that's you know that's one that's one thing that we're not quite grasping, and until until we get to that part and understanding that we have to put our money where our mouth is, we're not going to move forward. Do you have any other like do you have any other suggestions or thoughts on uh, okay. how we can so, improve our circumstances here? Yes, uh, as an observation, let's 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 go back to yesteryear, and let's just say the pinpoint of the of the beginning of the civil rights movement. Let's, let's say 1955 with uh, Rosa Parks and the bus boycott and on through 1968 with uh, Dr. King. Um, when the powers that be, which is just a polite way of saying the white power structure, when the powers that be looked at our marches, our protests, our demonstrations, our boycotts, our sit-ins, whatever, what did they see? They saw an ocean of black people with just a smattering of white people mixed in. There have always been some white people who got it. They understood our vision and they wanted to help to, to, to fulfill that, that vision. So there was a smattering of, of, of white people in a large ocean of black people. So the powers that be just shut us down, plugged their ears. They, they didn't want to hear what we had to say about in segregation and integrate schools and all that kind of stuff. So the pages of progress turned, but they turned very slowly but they still turn, that's what's, that's what's important. Now, fast forward from yesteryear to last year, in, in the uh, aftermath of the lynching of George Floyd, what did the powers that be see this time in the marches and protests, et cetera? They saw an ocean of black people and an ocean of white people marching together in the aftermath of the lynching of George Floyd. And as a result, those pages of progress turned a lot faster, okay? In fact, those marches and protests were geared towards police departments all across this country. But there was even a larger ripple effect that took place in this country that we have never seen. For example, NASCAR banning the, uh, the uh, Confederate battle flag on its property. NASCAR was ground zero for the, for the Confederate battle flag. Everybody had that, that flag. NASCAR banned it, okay? Um, the, so the state of Mississippi, the sovereign state of Mississippi, removing the Confederate portion out of its main flag body. Who ever thought that Mississippi would do that? Uh, food, food brands changing their labels. Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben changing their labels. Um, police officers being arrested, charged and convicted like that. 20 years ago in the past and yesteryear, Derek Chauvin would never even have gone to court for what he did to George Floyd. All right, uh, legislation being passed to take down Confederate monuments, to, to change the names of buildings named after uh, former slave owners. 
all this happened in, 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 in one year's time. That ripple effect, we've never seen anything happen that fast. Um, what is the difference between the, the protests and marches of yesteryear and the protests and marches of last year? The, the collaborative of these blacks and whites marching together for the same common cause, that caused the acceleration in our progress. So that's so something saying, that we need to look at. We can win faster together. Absolutely, 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 and that's what we need to do. If we're, if we're, you know, people people jump on my case all the time. It's not a black person's job to teach white people how to treat us. I agree. People should know how to treat one another. It, it's not my job. But you know what? If I've been treated the, a, a way that I don't like for four hundred years, then maybe I better do something different. Maybe I better teach them how to treat me. And you know, when 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 they saw what happened to to George Floyd, okay, you know, because coronavirus shut down everything, people had to stay home, their businesses are closed, they're boarded up, so they they can't go out. What are you doing when you're at home? You're watching TV, you're surfing the internet, and you're seeing a murder unfold right before your eyes. You know, now you and I and, and Nosa and everybody else on here have seen that. George Floyd was nothing new to us. It's been going on for a long time, but it was new to them. They'd never seen that before. And they're like, oh my goodness, you know, this is what they're talking about. I got to do something. Despite the risk to their own health, they came out in the streets during the, the world's biggest pandemic in our lifetime, and they marched with us. Dario, that how, how, much of, how much of that was sincere versus how, like when you talk about the Aunt Jemima thing, was that done because Aunt Jemima wanted to protect his profits or Aunt Jemima actually cared about the situation? Like how much of that was sincere? Some of the actions we saw. You know, during... I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, the, I'm sure there are some companies that jumped on the bandwagon because that was the trend and they didn't want to lose customers and lose a profit for mm. sure. Uh, Aunt Jemima in particular, or Uncle Ben, I don't really know. I don't know anybody who works there that can give me the inside story. But the bottom line is this, it doesn't really matter. What, what matters is they changed that, that, that racist brand label. That's what needed to be done. So whether right. they did it for profit, whether they did it for, for moral, ethical reasons, the bottom line is it changed. And the bottom line is that a lot of things changed in that, in that one year. And the Facts. only way we could have accomplished that on our own is to have the other side join us in that common cause. Facts, fact. They, they, I think they say that about Democrats and Republicans too, that, hey, Democrats can't achieve things without some buying from some Republicans and Republicans can't achieve them without the buying from some Democrats. So some you have to reach across uh, in some form or fashion. But Chulu, right, Chulu, exactly. Chulu, you had a question for, Chulu, you had a quick question for Kuchi. This is almost sounding like an official yeah, podcast episode. We we're just supposed to shoot the shit, but <laughs> you know, we can go ahead. And, and <laughs> I told you the party don't start till I come through. Come on, man. Yeah, tell me about okay, it. Okay, so my question is um my question is to Okuchi and you, Nosa, I guess. Um, mm. my question is more around um Africans that move to the diaspora. Where do your loyalties lie? Do you think that you are still loyal to the country that you come from, or you're just, um, or you've moved on, you are going to adapt, you know, the culture and all of the uh, nuances of being um, 
a citizen of the country that you've adopted. And I mean, I remember when I was a child um, and my uncle told me that my father could not support me because I did not live in his country, in his house, in his home. So if you take that same analogy, you know, it makes it very difficult to support a, um, to support your country when you're not there. Uh, what are your thoughts around that? Interesting question. Um, for me, my, my, my loyalty is to, especially in the context of being Black in America, my, my loyalty is to Black people, whether it's back home or over here. Because uh, I understand that if my situation improves here, or if the situation of Black people in, in America improves, you know, my situation uh, by default also improves. Um, I also understand that I'm in the position to help a lot more people uh, that don't have the assistance and don't have the resources back home. So with, for example, the regular show podcast and the From Lagos to Love podcast that I'm on, uh, you know, we, we, ha- we hire people for on the team straight from Nigeria we you know we pay them salaries and you know insurance and all that good stuff uh because we're able to do that from over here so in in my own way I think that again being in or having these discussions about black issues here and you know being part of the solution because again it's anybody can have their opinions on what we're supposed to be doing right being part of the solution here helps you know helps me here and helps folks over here and it also helps me improve my uh, my place in the society so I can continue to help other people in Nigeria. So my loyalty lies really to black people. And this is, uh, and it's important to note that because until I came back to America and actually started living here, like that was not never a thing that I really thought about. You know, race is not, in Nigeria, race is not really a thing that we discuss in these terms because like what, 99% of the population is black. You know, so you never really have to look at it from a perspective of, oh, I'm a black man, because you know, that's that's the reality. But I find that it's, I I don't have any kind of conflict or um, any confusion about, you know, whose side I'm supposed to be on because it's just become like a bigger conversation than that. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree, you know, uh... To echo that same sentiment, it's like, um, I don't think we have to choose. Um, Oh, someone else is trying to join. Let me just admit that person real quick. Um, Yeah, I don't think uh, we have to choose. Obviously, I don't think anyone leaves their country, the the place they call home, the place where most of their family is kind of like willingly. Most people do it because they feel like there's some kind of economic benefit to venture out and, you know, go West young man, like to try to you know, go somewhere else, you know, work for a little while so they can give back to their countries. Um, your sentiments about, and we do, I do get this from some Nigerians back home, like, oh, you don't know what it is. Like during the whole NSARS protest, which was a protest we had about police brutality back home, people are like, you live in the States. Do you know how it is? I'm like, dude, first things first, I've been living in the States for what, four or five years? I was in Nigeria till I was 26 or 27 years old. I experienced police brutality. And the fact that we're here doesn't mean that uh, situations in Nigeria, don't they don't affect us. We have families that go through these things. We contribute, like Okuchi said, economically, like the remittance back home to Nigeria is like Nigeria's highest source of foreign direct investment, like either the first or second highest form of foreign direct investment. This is people sending money back home to their families, like the billions of dollars, like Remington's business is big. So we wouldn't do all that if we don't care about like the country where we come from. However, that's not to say um, that we totally like um, 
you know, ignore the country and no, not respect the culture in the country where we live in. We do respect the culture. We do respect the laws. We know that we're guests here. However, we still we still pay reverence to the country that we come from. So we don't necessarily have to choose per se. We can be both because, you know, if we end up living here for a while, have kids here, then your kids have dual nationality. Like, obviously, you can't choose one side and tell your kid that they grew up in America. They feel more American than, no, you have to be Nigerian by force, that kind of thing. So... Um, you can be both, you know, by, I can see how people always try to, I don't know, it's always left or right, Democrat or Republican, uh, vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers. The world is so gray, man. It's never black and white. It's like, there are things we can borrow from conservatives. There are things we can borrow from liberals. There are things we can borrow from the left. There are things we can borrow from the right. Like we can put it together. And a good leader kind of like gives both sides the ability to like talk, present your views and kind of like picks you know good points in in both sides arguments and tries to implement that but that's just my opinion but we have a new listener muhammad gold i'm not sure who that is abbas is that you uh but muhammad welcome to the cultural class community day we're just here talking the shits talking about serious and non-serious issues but um yeah you're muted i'm not sure if you're trying to speak but if you are um yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, Abbas, yeah, that's good. Oh, Abbas, congratulations on the new baby, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You I want to be like you when I grow up, have a family and stuff. Uh, okay. <laughs> How is Nigeria? You're in Abuja, Nigeria, right? Oh, I think we lost you a little bit. Oh, I think we lost you a little bit. Yeah, shout out to MTN. Yeah, it's all good. That's all good. Let me just let me just before we go ahead with the conversation, let me just uh, put it on record that Okuchi is actually like one of my top five Nigerian interviewers. And I guess, you know, with that interaction with Daryl, you 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 kind of know why. So like a lot of people in Nigeria, like uh, in my opinion, could do better in the art of interview. And this is talking about Nigeria specifically. So up there, my personal favorites are like journalist Andre Blaze. We have journalist Chudi Jidongwu. And Okuchi with his big head is also there because even though he talks about a lot of... Like, <laughs> he, he, he guises it in a lot of comedy and, 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 and stuff, but he actually asks a very, very good question. And I think he has a natural calling to be on like radio, podcasting, and things like that. So uh, appreciate you, brother. Yeah. Um, well, thanks, man. I appreciate that coming from you, bro, for real. And I and I appreciate the questions you asked. Absolutely. Oh, for sure, for sure. I love having conversations like this because, um, unfortunately, to say, a lot of people in my age group don't. They really don't know how to. They're they're missing a lot, a lot of depth. So, are you saying a lot of people Um, in their sixties don't know are missing a lot, or is that what you're saying? A lot of no, a lot, a lot of people in their twenties, bro. They they really don't know. I've had conversations with people, and and the kind of arguments that they have is just like very, it's very goofy and silly. You know, it's like some of them won't change like the like today, like the next day. You know, like it's gonna come like then. I've and I have, I've had to explain to multiple people, like, you know, the the progress of black people in this country has been gradual. And just like Daryl was pointing out, some things that happen now, you know, uh, court cases and stuff like that wouldn't have happened like twenty years ago. Right, which is which is a fact. I also find out a lot of uh, a lot of black folks that I've talked to don't even know that there were slave revolts. Right, they come from this place of the slaves never did anything, um, and and I and I always look at them like, well, what have you done to better your situation? 
you know the situation of people. You know, you know the people who wear the, you know the people wear, that wear the "I'm not my ancestor" shirts, which is very, very disrespectful, by the way. Um, those kind of people, you know, they have these conversations sorry, and they're sorry, what like, t-shirt? You know what t-shirt? What's that? The the I'm I'm not my ancestors. Oh, okay. I'm sure you've seen those. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. implying implying that your ancestors were weak and you know, right. uh, old school, <laughs> too old school. Not not just even old school, just like that that your ancestors didn't do anything and your ancestors just kind of laid there and, and took beatings. You know, it's mm-hmm. some people very, jumped in the very ocean. Asinine. Listen, do you know do you know the kind of willpower it takes to to decide that you're gonna drown yourself rather than live in slavery? But again, there are people that don't know that slaves actually revolted in America. There are really people that don't know that. I don't know how I'm Nigerian and I went to primary and secondary school in Nigeria and I know that. And people who've been schooling here all their lives don't know that. So it, it gets very tiring, honestly, sometimes even sitting in school and, you know, having these conversations and everybody's like, yeah, I understand. But it's like, what what are we doing to move forward? And you see the way these things play out in reality. Like last year with the George Floyd thing, there were a lot of, you know, things that, like I said, were positives that came out of that. But at the same time, you look at the destruction within the city, right? And, and you ask yourself, well, what is the logic behind destroying your own community while the community of the police officers who committed that crime is in perfect shape? Mm-hmm. And now you've inconvenienced, you know, the, the the elderly folks in the community. You've burned down the Walgreens, you know, because you claim that, you know, fuck capitalism and all that good stuff. But now the elderly and the sickly in your, in your neighborhood can no longer have that easy access to the medicine that they need now they have to go out of their way to get that right uh you also look historically and see that most black neighborhoods that have been destroyed in these riots black businesses have not recovered you look at these empty lots and you know stuff like that came about as a result of these things so you know individually you have these brilliant conversations and it's a breath of fresh air but uh, as a collective, we we still have a very long way to go as far as understanding what it is that we need to do to move forward. You know, uh, telling people that looting is not okay in any context, and they think that <laughs> you're taking the white man's side or you're a coon. Let me Which, can I, can again, I ask that, a question because a lot of it ahead, like ahead, ahead. stems on unity, right? Like how unified are is the black race, or you know, things like that to actually get things done. If you were to assign a percentage to it, how much do you think our lack of unity is just inherent to us? Like black people don't trust each other or how much of it do you think is systemic in the sense that an outside force is sowing uh, cords of disunity and uh, intentionally like keeping us apart to make sure we don't get stuff done? Which do you think it leans towards Uh more? My my stance my my stance on life is that whatever results you want in life you're responsible for. Right, mm. that's not to discount or discard whatever systemic influences are in play and stuff. But you got you got to ask yourself: At what point do we start doing the work internally and understanding that our own destiny is on in our own hands? Right. So I think that it's it's more like, and I don't even think it's a unity thing because you can be unified in bullshit. You know, excuse my French. Is right. is 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 the is the is the thinking the, the group think, and it's not the, the kind of group think that actually takes you somewhere. It's the kind of group think that is like, you know, if you have a disagreement or if you have a different perspective, then you're an Uncle Tom and you're this, and then that's again mm. that's how you know people are not doing their research, because Uncle Tom was the person who was helping the slaves, right? 
but you know that's a whole different story but you understand that there's this group thing and people are thinking one way and if you bring in a different perspective and say hey maybe we should try this out because again they say insanity is what's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result that mm-hmm. when you've been trying the same thing over and over again and you're not getting any different results and somebody's saying hey you know or a group of people are saying hey you know what let's try this and you automatically start bashing them and telling them that you know you know they're they're anti this and they're that and they're anti-black it's like, how do you expect to move forward? So it, it, it appears to me that as far as influence and numbers are concerned, there are more people who are committed towards, and they don't know this, but they're committed towards the, the downfall of the community than there are people who are out there improving it. And again, you know, we want to highlight people like Daryl who actually go out and they travel and, you know, they have these conversations and, you know, they get people to see things a different way. People like Daryl don't really get the kind of publicity that they deserve. I understand that part of it. But in my day-to-day interactions, I understand this to also be the truth that we have a very long way to go. But who was it? Um, was it uh, was it Frederick Douglass or somebody back in the day who who had this position that like it would be one percent of the population that's supposed to help push the rest of it for Daryl? Is that am I accurate on that? On that? I, I know the saying. Uh, it might have been Frederick Douglass, but I'm not sure. Okay, okay. I think it was Fred, Frederick Douglass and quite a few. Um, black scholars during the time too and you know what maybe that might be the case because at the end of the day it really comes down to resources you know like you know having the voice outside in the streets and you know voicing your displeasure with a lot of things you know it does something but even with the uh george floyd situation you know some people would argue that some of those changes are just merely symbolic and that in the long run in the bigger picture that they don't really affect black people the way that you know we would like it to and i also think even with the whole thing about the statues being taken down and certain books being burned i think that that's an issue because when you start to erase history like that even though it's a painful history it, it gives the oppressor the opportunity to say well those things never happen because you've erased the evidence. You know, I think that some of those things should still be in place because it's a reminder of where we've been before and, you know, where we can go. But let me not extend this. You know, when you start Can I I weigh in? Yeah, go ahead, Daryl. May I weigh in on the the statue thing? Go ahead. Um, I I, I agree. I I agree with you that our history should not be erased. We all have have history, good, bad, ugly, and shameful. And all our cards need to be turned face up on the table and everything needs to be exposed so, so we can learn our history, whether it's good, bad, ugly, or shameful. As far as the statues go, yes, they do need to come down. They should not be torn down and destroyed. They should be taken down and placed in, in either a museum or a Confederate Memorial Park, where they, they should be preserved. And, and my argument is this, and this is what I, you know, what I tell people. I say, look, you know, we went to war against the, the, the second largest white majority in this country is of British descent. You know, they were the first people who came over here from Europe, uh, came from Great Britain because they're trying to escape the tyranny of the king or something. Um, the first uh, white majority, the largest white majority in this country are of German descent. Um, Now we went to war against Great Britain and we beat Great Britain, which is why we celebrate the 4th of July because we won the Revolutionary War. There are plenty of Americans in this country who are of British descent, who had ancestors 
who fought in that war against this country. And, you know, they can go back to England and Scotland and Wales and Ireland and, and, and meet up with their third or fourth cousin, you know, removed or whatever descendants. Uh, and, you know, they're happy with their ancestors. They're proud of them or, or honor them. But these, these Americans of British descent do not go out there in the streets and erect statues to King George III and fly the Union Jack because Great Britain lost the war. The loser does not get to build his statues on the winner's land. In 1941, we went to war against Japan because they bombed Pearl Harbor or whatever. All right, there are plenty of Japanese Americans in this country uh, who have ancestors in Japan who fought against our country. Yet <clears throat> these, these uh, Japanese Americans, while they may honor their ancestors, they don't go out here and build statues to Emperor Hirohito but, but, but and fly the Japanese but flag. Darryl, doesn't huh? that differ? Doesn't that differ in a civil war? Like if you're fighting uh, international war in quote, like Japan is still a country, Britain is still a country. These are places you can still visit, and you know your history is preserved in that specific country. But when you have a civil war and one side loses, some people might argue that they. It's like a country within the country's history is being erased, kind of thing. That's the argument some people might make compared no, to no, no. the wars yeah, you we're know, talking about. Well, uh, okay, let me just finish. So we, we also went to war against Germany. Mm -hmm. The largest white population in this country is of German descent. They don't go out and build statues to uh, Adolf Hitler or Adolf Eichmann or Joseph Goebbels or any of those people and fly swastikas, okay? The, the loser does not get to build his statue on the winner's property, um, whether it's civil war or, 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 an, or a war against another, a foreign land, all right? A, a loser is a loser. It's like if, if, the, if the Green Bay Packers play the Los Angeles Rams for the Super Bowl mm. and, the, and the Los Angeles Rams win the Super Bowl, do you give the Green Bay Packers also Super Bowl rings? No, mm. you're, you're in the same country. Whether it's civil or not, you lost. Now, like I said, don't erase the history. Don't destroy it. Put it in a museum. Put it where it belongs. Okay, you know we we you know we had we had lynchings and and hangings and all kinds of stuff going on in this country that that were part of this country. Should we still preserve that too, just because it was in our history? No. But mm -hmm. we have a lynching museum in this country where we can go and see what happened to people in this country called the lynching museum. Right. So this is this is this is how how we demonstrate our history. Um, Put it, put it, you know, where, where we can see it. Um, the, you know, the, the names of uh, named after slave, slave uh, buildings named after slave owners, they need to be changed. But let them know, let people know why they were changed and what they were changed from. Give the history of the people uh, for whom that building was originally named. Interesting, interesting point. Okuchi, I have a question for you. When you start to talk like the way you're, you're talking, like a bunch of, African-Americans might come at you and say, you know, how dare you? Like you're the, this Nigerian that came to the country, you know, X number of years ago, your great grandfather was never a slave. You know where you come from in Nigeria. Why would you come here and dictate to us how to behave or how things should be when your lineage wasn't a direct, uh, was not directly impacted by slavery, unlike, you know, our fellow Black Americans that were impacted by Syria. What do you have to say to that? Um, the first thing I would have to say to that is that they should go and do their research because I'm actually an American citizen and I was born here, right? Um, secondly, the, the fact of the matter is when you talk about Black issues in this country, 
when the police stops you or I'm driving and they stop me, they're not stopping and saying, oh, yeah, I like that accent. You're good. You're Nigerian mm. or you're African. You're a different kind of black. You're a tropical black. You know, like, I like you. No, that's not that's not how that works. OK, if there are any issues with like that, as far as it's concerned with race, as, as a black man, as a Nigerian man, whatever you want to call me, as a Nigerian American man mm-hmm. in America, I am still affected by those things. So I have skin in this game, right? Secondly, or thirdly, I, I think it's very dangerous to continuously only link your lineage, ancestry, whatever you want to call it, to just to, to, to downgrade it to just like, Mm. It's the same way that when there are people that look at me and, you know, they have conversations with me about Africa and their whole idea is, oh, we were kings and we're royalty before we came over here. I'm like, no, that's not the case. But even if it was, that's historical romanticism. How does that serve me today? Right. So regardless of the plight of our ancestors and, and all of that, what are we doing today to help not just ourselves, but the people that are coming after us? Right. So. I don't have to have ancestors that were slaves to understand certain things. Like that's not, you know, that's, that's a very dull, it's a very dull argument. And you're right. There are people that have that position, but I wouldn't even entertain that seriously. You know me now, I'll just start cracking jokes and and whatever. But again, it doesn't stand because it doesn't require that the white people that come out and protest with black people, they never experienced slavery. They never experienced slavery. You know, if at, at the most your ancestors experienced what indentured servitude, you know, some kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for? It starts with a P. Pseudo? Um, no, let's let's call it discrimination. You know, like the Italians and the Polish when they first came here and the Irish, mm-hmm. you know, but these none of these people can say that their ancestors experienced slavery. But yet there are they are still integral to the progression of Black people, to our voices being heard in certain situations and in certain circles. So, you know, and it's not me dictating, it's just me offering solutions. I use my platform and that's why it's so important to have your own platform. So that way nobody is saying they'll counsel you or they're saying take down your opinion or whatever. I use my platform to discuss ideas with people that, you know, people that have sense and people that are willing to listen and people that actually put your money where your mouth is. Not just people that sit down and talk, because we have so many armchair activists that think that the revolution starts on your couch and ends there. No, right. no, no. Like, and it, and it's not like you have to go out there and be doing something crazy, like you know, jumping on police cars or something. Or you know, you might not even have the resources that Daryl has to you know to travel the way that he does, and you know, or or the gift of gab that he has to speak to people a certain way. It starts from simple things like picking up, uh, uh, picking up dirt in your neighborhood bottles and cans and people again people don't see the connection between that and and the investment of black people but anything like i said anything that you want any results that you want in life start from within right so it makes sense to start there so again it's just you know it's not a it's not an us versus them type of thing that's another thing that some some africans and black people entertain this idea that you know africans are coming shout out to clubhouse Shout out to Clubhouse. This idea that we're coming here and we're taking the it sounds so MAGA headish. Like we're coming here, we're taking the jobs, and we're taking all the scholarships, and right. you know we're dictating what to do to them and da 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 da. No 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 no. Instead, let's have a conversation of how it is that people that have been in Nigeria most of their lives, how a, 20, how a man who came here at twenty six years old has been able to build his own platform within this country run 150 episodes, you know, have guests from all over the world, further important conversations. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about how, 
how we can move forward together instead of like looking at me like as if I'm you know I'm doing something bad to you. Right. You know, like let's have the, let's have those conversations. Like it's you know when I listen to people like Omar Johnson for example and I'm like these are the kind of people that are bringing on race because Omar Johnson will sit there and tell you he has like 5 to 10 degrees. But every day he comes on live, he's talking about the white man this, the white man don't want you to, brother, in the same in this same America, you go all those degrees. How did you do that? How about you tell us that? How about you tell us how you overcame all those obstacles instead of always telling us what the problem is? Give us some solutions. But he won't do that. He'll sit there and he'll, you know, tell you to cash up him every day and sell you a problem because that's, you know, because no, because that's how you that's how you keep a lot of people on the chain. It's so much yeah. easier to point fingers and say this person is doing this and I'm not going to move forward until they do something as opposed to actually taking action and seeing that what you can do to help your situation and the situation of your people so right. in summary I, I just I, I don't entertain you know I do talk like that and you know people who think that just saying something um one time on the regular show I had a conversation and people from the ADOS movement uh where my mentions heavy and I stood my ground because I don't argue what I know and I don't argue what I don't know right um and and I think that we need more of that because we're in a time where when you're being honest and you're saying the truth, even when it's uncomfortable for other people, they want to shut you down automatically. Um, right. And especially as black men in this country, we can't we can't allow that to happen. I have a question for Chulu though, as an African on the continent uh, currently in, in Zambia. I'm not sure if you're still with us. Does all this sound foreign to you? Is it kind of like, hey, Africans, we have our own problems in our respective countries, like. Or do you still see a connection that, hey, there has to be some unification uh, with the Black race globally? Uh, is that something you feel like Africans on the continent um, care enough about? Or it's just like, hey, we got our own problems kind of thing? Um, I think on a personal level, it's something that I, um, I care about. But I've had plenty of conversations with people who just like, that is not our issue. We've got our own problems here. Like I need to put food on the table. You know, I have to figure that out first before I start thinking about, you know, what's happening in another country. Like we've been suffering. Nobody says anything. When something happens in our country, nobody says anything. Nobody acknowledges it. It doesn't become as widespread. And, you know, there's like a whole movement that sweeps the whole um, globe, you know? So I think there's, there's a lot of, um, bitterness mixed with apathy uh, in terms of embracing um, issues in other countries. Um, that said, for me, one of the things that I, I often think about is, um, I'm not, how do I say this? I'm not necessarily um, someone who's like, you know, about like, or black movement kind of thing. Um, I work uh, with women, my, um, my organization, which is Africana Women, really embraces all African women because on the continent, just like in the States, you know, there's people of all different races or different, uh, um, you know, origins and color, but the, the, the main goal is to bring people together to have these types of conversations that um, will eventually empower all of us. So um, yeah, I I tend to be like, I'm, I'm the person who's like, everybody is welcome, come and have a conversation. Yes, it's a mm -hmm. difficult conversation, but let's sit down and have this conversation. 
Facts, facts, facts. Well, at the risk of not to make uh, this into a podcast episode, reminder that this is Culture Class Community Day. All we're doing is pretty much, uh, but these are important conversations nonetheless, like wherever we have an opportunity to have this kind of discussions, uh, we definitely should take that opportunity because who knows, like, you know, one thing can lead to something else. And the more we talk about these things, the more uh, crisp the problem can sound and the more, hopefully the more a path to a solution we can we can chart but um yeah um we've been rocking for about two hours now i guess i can just wrap up in the next five minutes and kind of like pass it around to everyone uh, maybe we'll start from daryl to okuchi to chulu we kind of like asked this earlier but uh, after you guys joined was kind of like um what's kind of like your favorite episodes of the podcast what's one episode that really resonated with you uh what does the podcast mean to you or what do you think it means to the society at large and what would you like to see more of on the podcast? And you can just kind of like wrap that up with kind of like a celebratory message or something as we come to a close. Uh, Daryl, you're muted. Daryl, you're muted. Yeah. Uh, uh, you mentioned that, you know, that this is, you know, at the risk of turning this into a podcast. Yeah. I'd like to see some podcasts like this. I think I think the guests you have on right now are fantastic, and and I think you know it it shows that while while you know we all you know want the same thing at the end of the day, we all have different approaches as to how to achieve that goal and right. how to arrive at that destination. And you know, a lot of people think that black people are monolithic. You know, we're no more monolithic than white people or, or Asians or Hispanic people or anybody else. And I think having people see, you know, black people talk about these things and see the commonality that we have, but see our diverse uh, ideas on how to to achieve, you know, that uh, that goal of commonality. Well, I think they would, you know, they would learn a lot from that. So I, I would encourage, you know, in the future, maybe do some podcasts with with uh, these same people on, or 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 something similar with, with diverse backgrounds. Okay, right. this is something I can definitely do more of. Like most of my conversations are like one one on one conversations, but having like a group setting where we have three, four, five people, obviously they're more difficult to organize. But I think I can I can have that every other month because it brings more diversity to uh, the conversation and things like that. So thank you so for that uh, suggestion. Okuchi, well, how far? Are you still with us? Okay, well, before Kuchi comes on, I just want to say, you know, uh, like Daryl said, you know, when you're fighting a war, like the Air Force can't win a war on its own. The Army can't win a war on its own. The Navy can't win a war on its own. The Marines can't win a war on its own. Like, you know, it, there has to be a coordinated effort amongst different branches. So, you know, um, Okuchi, you know, I'm talked about... I mean, Okuchi talked about, you know, some people say, oh, these people, you know, you're not doing it the way it should be done. You know, I prefer Malcolm X. I prefer Martin Luther King. This person is an Uncle Tom. This person is not. But everyone has something to contribute, you know, in this uh, fight against, you know, injustice or racial equality or, you know, police brutality, whatever it is. So, and, you know, the different strategies, you know, some people provide money, some people are boots on the ground, some people are like, 
recruiters. Some people are like the, they, they, they document what happens. So we all need to come together and, you know, agree on a way for it in order to er eradicate some of these things. But, but yeah, Kuchi, as we're coming to an end, we're just talking about the podcast in general. Like what were some of your favorite episodes? What does the podcast mean to you? And what would you like to see more of in the podcast? If you can hear me. Um, one of my favorite moments was uh, obviously when you came on the from Lagos Above podcast and we had a conversation um, because it shows that even though you you know you don't necessarily dive into pop culture that much, but you know you're that well rounded that you can you know you were able to to have that conversation with us. I think of that as a as a collaboration episode. Um, I also liked your episode with uh, Bella Lubo. Um, of course, you know that I'm more inclined towards pop culture. Uh, but especially because after not too long after she did the interview with you, she um, she was saying how like you know if her next project doesn't do well or something, she's gonna quit music and mm. you know um, it just seemed like she was feeling like she's not getting her her flowers and stuff. But you know when you had the conversation with her, I could very much get the sense that uh, this was an artist that you really rocked with, and and I'm sure that she, I'm sure she took you know took a lot away from that. Um, just the way you dived, you know, that uh, dove into her history and you know where she's going and what she's doing and stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed that, but I also enjoyed the fact that you covered the a lot of the conversations that people aren't able to have, and so you know they call it dull or boring or you know like Daryl was saying. Uh, but these conversations are still important, nevertheless, because you have people from different backgrounds and different orientations, and you have all kinds of conversations, you know. Um, so shout out to you for being able to do that, man, because if it was easy, everyone else would be doing it. Got it. Got it. And and Chulu, obviously you answered this question before, but if you just have anything to add uh, to that as well. Uh, well, I think I'll, I'll add, I'll just jump on the bandwagon of the diversity of the content. Um, I think what it really does is it's, it's, it opens people's minds to just to being exposed to something different. Like I said before, my favorite um, episode was Chris the Bodybuilder. I didn't think I was gonna go in and like that episode, but I really did. Um, I learned a lot from it. And I mean, if I was looking at that content, for example, on um, let's say social media or whatever, I would have swiped past, but then in the context of, okay, this is a podcast that I listen to, let me listen to it. And I did. Then I was um, I was enlightened. I I learned more um, than I and I was delightfully surprised. So um, I really do appreciate the work that you're doing and the diversity of the content that you provide. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I I love like interacting with fellow podcasters, like all three of y'all, all three of y'all, <laughs> all three of y'all have podcasts yourself. Uh, obviously, uh, Daryl with Changing Minds podcast. I think you have like 40 plus episodes of that out right now. So you guys should probably check that out. Chulu with Africana Woman. Uh, she's going to be celebrating uh, 50 episodes in a few weeks, maybe a week or two. So you guys should watch out for that. And of course, from Lagos with Love, who just celebrated 100 episodes a few months ago. I think they're currently at like 120 something episodes on that road to 150 themselves. So, and check out the regular show as well with Okuchi. So, appreciate you guys. You guys want to like plug your social media, your email, your phone number, your social security numbers. Like, if people want to reach out to you to like continue this conversation, credit card numbers. 
<laughs> everything. <laughs> How do people reach out to you guys? I um, I put a I put a link in the uh, chat that I that I think you all might find interesting. Uh, it's a little outdated. There there's several of them, but I just put one in there from 1956 of uh, of um, a representative. These are students. I think they're either high school or first year college. Oh, I think I've watched that before. Let me see. Oh, yep, that is. Yeah, there there's several episodes of it with different people from different countries in Africa debating mm -hmm. apartheid and racism and things like that. Um, like I said, it's from the fifties, but so it's a little outdated. But uh, I think I think you know you'd find it interesting. And if we have a modern a modern episode of that with with just us, you know, mm. or something similar. You know, on the on the modern take, you know that, that I think that would prove, prove to be very uh, mm. interesting and relevant. Because you know you're you're all about what's relevant. That's actually an interesting idea. Okuchi, will you be down for something like that? Hey, sorry, run that back. No, um, um, Daryl dropped a link in the episode. I think it trended in Nigeria a few months ago about these group of high school students, like in the 50s, that were arguing about apartheid uh -huh. and things like that, like an Ethiopian, a Ghanaian, oh, I, a saw, I saw that video with, uh, yeah. with the Nigerian, Ghanaian, the Ethiopian yeah, kids. Yeah, it trended, uh, it trended on Nigerian Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. He was saying oh, that, really? like, know you that. know, that we can implement something like that in the current day, that kind of panel like just like what mm -hmm. we're talking about four of us now maybe you know with other guests things like that like i, I was like that's an interesting uh -huh. thought that we would be down for something like that before to produce it i would absolutely be down for something like that because i wish i could even watch like longer videos because the first time i found out about those videos i kept looking to see if some of the speakers on there had done like other interviews and i couldn't really find anything so no uh, i'm absolutely down for that Okay, okay. You want to drop your social media, your email address, your social security number, your telephone number. How can people reach out to you? All right, my social security number is 0419. <laughs> 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 uh, crazy. Um, you can follow me on uh, Instagram at uh, Okuchi. That's O K W U C H. I, I, I on Twitter at Big Wuchi, that's B I G W C H I. Um, and you can also listen to me on the regular show podcast and the From Lagos to Note podcast as well uh, on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Audio Man. Got it. Chulu, what about you? How can people reach out to you? Um, my playground is Instagram. So um, Chulu underscore by design, Chulu, C-H-U-L-U. And if you go to africanawoman.com, you will um, be introduced to our whole world. So, yeah. All right. Thank you guys so much for being part of the podcast. Again, listeners use Culture Class 150 uh, to follow the conversation around our 150 episode celebration and go to cultureclasspodcast.com forward slash 150. That's cultureclasspodcast.com forward slash 150 to also see how you can participate. Thank you so much, guys, for volunteering part of your Saturday to come for Culture Class Community Day. We'll definitely be in touch. Uh, let me know how I can be a part of your celebrations and your respective podcasts as well. And wish you guys a great weekend. Take care. All right. Later. Thank you. You too, man. Thanks for having me.